Right. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's good to see you. Um, this morning, I have some burden to uh, say something to you um, based on this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, actually a verse that uh, you may be familiar with. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it are the issues of life. So my burden this morning is to talk to you a little bit uh, concerning this matter of keeping our heart. Um, in the uh, word, in the Bible, and certainly um, in our spiritual experiences, um, it is, of course, about um, acquiring something. Or, for example, we're here to gain Christ, right? We're here to possess him. We're here to acquire <clears throat> uh, spiritual growth. We're here to acquire uh, more riches of the truth, uh, more knowledge of God, and so on. And that is correct. <clears throat> but this morning, <clears throat> I want to turn, direct your attention to this matter of keeping. <clears throat> that is keeping what you have. Keeping what you have. The thought of keeping something means that if we uh, lower our guard, so to speak, if we're not careful, if we're not guarded, we may stand to lose what we have. So it's one thing to gain something, to acquire something, to possess something, to have something. Now, that's something this, in this morning's context, refer to a certain condition. That's my emphasis, my stress this morning. You have acquired a certain condition. And of course, that condition must be a good one, right? A certain positive condition that you have acquired once upon a time. Uh, maybe some years ago, say you consecrated yourself to the Lord. So you have acquired a certain condition, a condition of a consecrated person. But to have that as a condition is not guaranteed. It is something that you have to keep. Or otherwise, that thing may fade away. Or that thing may... in the book of Hebrews, leak away. So um, <clears throat> the thought this morning I want to put within you a strong thought about the need of keeping. Now, I know there are verses in the Word, uh, in the Old Testament, certainly in the New, that says that the Lord will keep us. He is able to keep us. We really, at the end of the day, cannot keep ourselves. Am I right? 
God only can keep us, and he is able to do so. But as with all the other things in our spiritual experiences, uh, the principle of incarnation is always at work. On the one hand, God keeps us. That means we commit ourselves to him for his safekeeping. And we should do that every day, actually. Lord, I cannot keep myself, not for a moment. Without you, I would flounder. Without you, I would stumble. Without you, I would be compromised. So, Lord, keep us. You know, he who has established us is also able to keep us, even to keep us until the day of his coming back, the day of the Lord. So that is correct. But yet the word is also full of the thought uh, of our keeping, our keeping. Well, this verse in Proverbs is a strong case. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it are the issues of life. Another thought that comes to mind is not something I'm going to talk about this morning, but in Ephesians 4, it says, um, be diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit, meaning that the oneness is something that we all have inherited, something uh, that we have in common, something that we own, which is really the oneness of the triune God. So we have that oneness. But why is it that the apostle would say, be diligent and keep that oneness? That, to me, or to us, should be a warning that if we don't keep it, This is something that could be lost. We have it, but we stand to lose it or miss it if we don't keep it. And I like over there the same kind of a description of this keeping or the way we keep it is with diligence, with attentiveness, with care, with energy, um, With watchfulness, we keep that oneness. So this kind of thought pervades the word. Another example that comes to mind is in the Timothys. Timothy, guard the deposit. Am I right? There's a good deposit that you have gained. That deposit is quite all-inclusive, but... Whatever this good deposit is, Timothy, you have to guard it. Guard it, not even just to keep it, but guard it, garrison it. Um, Be watchful over it, lest you lose it, lest it is stolen from you. Lest you wake up one day and found that deposit gone. So I think that you should be convinced by now of the importance of our keeping, not just having, not just owning. Thank the Lord for that. 
but we need to render our cooperation to keep what we have. If I may say so, in our entire Christian life, our Christian race, our Christian service, it's more about keeping than gaining. In a way, of course, we need to continue to gain Christ to uh, and to attain to something more spiritual, something higher and deeper, uh, whether it is in our service, whether in our, in our walk with the Lord and so on, even in our church life. But it is more about keeping what you have. Otherwise, you could be gaining over here and losing over there. While you are gaining, apparently, something, you're also leaking away. You're also losing something over there, and there's no net gain at the end. Perhaps there's even a net loss. Now, this morning, my burden here to follow Proverbs 4 is the keeping of the heart. Now, the keeping of the heart is paramount in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, and extending to our Christian service. Here it says, the reason, the reason that we need to keep our heart is that from this heart, from our heart, are the issues of life. Now, we can talk a lot about this, but I'll just be very, very simple about it. Um, of course, generally, this means that everything of our life, our human life, our existence, and so on, um, um, hinges on the condition of our heart. If your heart is right, those issues will be right, will be okay, would be good. If there's some problem in your heart, if the condition of your heart is not right, something wrong, then your life, your whole life, the issues of your life will be affected. The way you live, the way you walk, the way you conduct yourself, the way you make decisions, the way you are, all the things that are the issues of your life will be affected by your the condition of your heart. Now here, I would like to say, of course, this affects all aspects of our human life. Say, I am married, right? I'm married. I have a marriage life. And if I don't keep my heart in a certain condition, let me tell you, my marriage life will suffer. Um, do, do you see this? Uh, we, our, our lives in many respects will suffer. Um, let's say our service, we're all here serving the Lord, am I right, as as full-timers in the church. But if you don't keep your heart in a certain state, healthy state or condition, you'll find 
the issue of your work is stunted. It is uh, reduced. It is affected. So some years ago when you started to serve, there is a kind of issue in your work, in your service, that is very positive, very strong, even very productive. But after some time, you will find that that issue is not like before. The fruitfulness, the result, the effect of your work is compromised. It is discounted. Something is not right. So all this, we have to come back to this matter of what? Of our heart and its condition. Well, why our heart? Well, we should all know, brothers and sisters, the heart is simply our person. Um naturally speaking that's our uh, in our birth our person is our heart now of course our regenerated real person is our spirit right it is actually the lord in our spirit that's one side but you are your heart you are your heart and so uh, our heart is com- um, comprises our soul, which is our mind, and our emotion, and our will, plus our conscience. This is all the components of our person. Surely our soul is our being, right? The 70 souls that went down to Egypt uh, with Abraham, that means 70 persons, 70 beings, human beings, right? But our heart is our person. And so the condition of our heart simply means the condition of our person. And this heart as an organ, uh, controls everything, controls everything. Um, It directs everything of our lives uh, because this is where decisions are made. This is where judgments are rendered. This is where um, uh, emotion springs. This is where we actually decide uh, our course of life. The heart is pivotal. The heart controls everything. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to pay attention to our heart. Now, I know in serving the Lord on campus with young people, whatever, we need to learn a lot of things. We need to acquire different skills. We need to gain various experiences in order to enhance our service so that we can serve the Lord better. Our character needs to be built. 
and so on and so forth. We need to actually know more of the truth, the word of God, right? All of these things we need to coordinate. We need to learn how to be built up and serve together. All these things are essential. But this morning, I want to pay attention on just one thing, and that is your and my heart. Because actually, out of this, everything springs, everything issues forth. Now, um, some people, they started in a good way. They dealt with their heart, even they dealt with the heart in a very severe way. Uh, And that is good. Um, I think, I don't recall this offhand, in the books like The Experience of Life, you know, that big thick book that you studied in the training, and it's uh, a sister volume called The Knowledge of Life and so on. I don't remember, but I believe there has to be much speaking concerning the heart because according to Matthew 13, you have those four conditions of the heart, don't we? The word, the sower went forth to sow the word of God. And that word, the same word is sowed into different soils. And with different results, the problem is not, it was never the seed. The problem is never the word. We all receive the same word. But the growth and the bearing of fruit varies due to what? Due to the condition of the soil. And we are made known very, very clearly that the soil, the human soil, the, the human soil is simply the heart. The heart is the soil, and you have four conditions of soil. And that should tell us again that, yes, uh, we have the word, we have the deposit, we have the good things of life from the Lord, from God. But Where did that end up? And what is the condition of that soil? And that determines how much fruit will be born, how much this word will be effective, how much profit there would be from this sown word. So my brothers and sisters, as as we continue to serve the Lord to go on, we need to continue to deal with our heart on a daily basis, on a case-by-case basis, on a continual basis. And I like to testify to you myself, not because I'm so successful, but from the very, very beginning, when I gave myself to the Lord, Uh, and then later on in the church life to follow the Lord and to serve the Lord, I find that this dealing to be indispensable. While I am listening to messages, learning the experiences, you know, disciplining my character and 
picking up the truth. All these I do. Of course, I do this all the time. But something has to be in parallel constantly. And that is the keeping of my heart through much dealing, personal dealing. Now, this kind of dealing is something that the Lord cannot do for you. The Lord can keep us, and we can pray that he will keep us. But we must render him the cooperation to deal with our heart. So I asked this morning, full-timers, how is your heart? Where is your heart? What is the condition of your heart today? And this will tell me where your life is. This will tell me how your service is. Really, it will tell me. And actually, it should inform you. You know, when you check your spiritual condition, when you check your spiritual walk and your spiritual service, even your church life, one place to go to first is your heart. What is the condition of your heart? And of course, we need to deal with our spirit. But this morning, we're not on that. Now, um, I am, of course, the reason I'm talking this way, because I am concerned for you, as I'm concerned for myself, that... I may be in name a serving one, in name I'm a co-worker, in name I'm an elder, in name I'm a serving brother. But in actuality, today, this morning, these days, I may not actually be serving in that kind of a way, in a proper way, in a healthy way, in a effective way and in a profitable way. Why? Because I have not been keeping my heart in a right condition, in a proper condition. Let me just say something more to make my point, to to drive home the point, I hope. We have the Nazarite vow, am I right? The Nazarite vow in Numbers 6, and then we talk about the Nazarites in our recent summer training with our college-age young people. I don't know how much that would have spoken to us, or we think that is only for the kids, the college-age. No, that is for you and I. Now, so someone made the vow... Uh, or in Samuel's case, the mom made that vow for him. And this vow of the Nazarite is a vow of separation. One separates oneself. One sanctifies oneself unto God, unto God, for God's will, for God's purpose, for God's glory. Right? That is why someone would make a vow. And this person who makes this vow must be one who loves God 
Of course. I mean, why would you make that kind of vow if you don't love the Lord, right? So he is committed. He is consecrated, if you will. So now he wants to take another step to be a Nazarite. And so he makes a vow. A vow, as we have found out, is not more than just a promise, more than just a kind of a commitment, a common kind of commitment. A vow is almost like a covenant. A vow is a promise with an oath. Now, of course, we don't swear. We're not supposed to swear. But, you know, in the Old Testament and even today, when the president, you know, comes into his office or when a, a judge comes into the office or something like this, and people have the tradition putting their hands on the Bible. Am I right? They declare an oath. An oath to defend the Constitution, to protect this country, whatever that may be, that is more than just a promise. I promise you, well, there are a lot of presidential candidates on the, um, uh, in the campaign role making tons of promises that they know they will never keep. Those are just promises. They could even be lies, you know, political for political reasons to, to get the vote. But when you enter into office, you don't make a promise to the people. You, you make an oath. You, 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 you make a vow. You know, getting married requires a vow. You know, today, why so many marriages are on shaky ground? Because they make a com- some kind of commitment, like a promise, I promise this and that. Well, the promise breaks down because it is short of a vow, an oath, a covenant between two people. That is unchangeable. That is immutable. So, brothers and sisters, here's a vow. Now, why am I talking about this? And that is the vow of a Nazarite could even by accident be broken. For example, he is to stay away from everything of, of death. Am I right? Even the death of one's uh, um, uh, loved ones or family or relatives. But let's say in, in, it is mentioned that someone suddenly died out of accident. You, you didn't cause that death. Uh, you didn't know it coming. It, but that death still defiled you. Still defiled you. And so because of that, you sort of broke the vow, though involuntarily the vow was broken. And so you are required to revow. You're required to revow to make. So you need to separate yourself again. You need to make some offerings again. You need to, you know, shave your head and start all over again, so to speak. So to speak. And so, brothers, this is... Uh, what I'm talking about, keeping. So we make a vow. We were in the right condition. Then something happened. Something happened. Maybe something not intentionally, but something happened nevertheless to cause that brow to be broken, to cause you to be defiled. 
something happened to defile you something happened to 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 um compromise that consecration you made that separation you made something defiling that defiled us and so we have in order to keep that vow right to keep that vow we need to do something to renew it to renew it and so this is what i'm talking about keeping keeping you don't let it go you something was wrong then you keep it then then you then you renew it you sinned then you need to deal with that sin right and renew renew your vow some worldliness came in you know it says the 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 fruit of the vine whatever of the world of the worldly pleasures and enjoyment took over and you need to review re- renew that vow um uh you have some disobedience you know the the the, the hair means submission and full obedience under the lord god's headship you you broke that you somehow in this matter or that matter you rebelled against the lord you 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 failed to obey or submit to him so you broke that vow and now you need to do something to renew that vow so by doing this again and again you stay in that vow you remain in that vow so that vow is not once and for all it needs to be renewed again and again and again and again and brothers and sisters until the lord comes back we need to keep renewing our heart our vow our separation our purity unto him for his glory to do his will brothers and sisters this is a huge huge matter in our ongoing service to the lord why some drop out something happened to their heart why some could not keep their vows because they failed to renew it they were defiled by something why some people cannot continue because they were stumbled you know they were stumbled by some offense and they failed to deal with that because it's a problem of the heart they would not let go and they could not go on and i have over the years observed this again and again even with saints who have served the lord for a long time so i'm not here to threaten you and discourage you brothers and sisters i'm burdened for your continual usefulness to the lord it require you and i to actively protect preserve keep and guard our heart now um i'll just say a few things here because i really didn't study this i have made no outlines actually this burden came to me th- this morning when i woke up <clears throat> to study the matter of the heart the best book to read is the book of matthew the book of matthew so you may want to take some time to study this uh, this book just studying the matter of the heart so i just give you a few examples brothers and sisters 
you know, you may say, uh, oh, th- these are such basic things. Well, it is in the basic things that we lose our heart, that the heart is not kept. It is in the, often not in the great things, but in the small things. All right. So the, the most, again, popular or famous verse in Matthew chapter 5 in the Lord's um, kingdom constitution, his so-called speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Simple verse. But herein is the first dealing of the heart, area of dealing of our heart and its condition, and that is its purity, its singleness. We have even the word single-hearted versus double-hearted. For for this person will see God. Now, brothers and sisters, if we are not seeing God, if we are not knowing God, if we are not touching God, if we're not in this kind of transparent, uh, have this transparent vision of God all the time, brothers, how can we serve? How can we serve? We are here to tell people the God we see. We're here not just to pass on Bible stories. We're not here to give people knowledge of the Bible. We're here to transmit God to people. We're here to bring God to men, to the students you have appointment with to the unsaved sinner. We're here to do that. And if we don't see this God in a fresh, dear, intimate, um, personal way, what, what God do we have to dispense? We are just here doing some work and maybe giving out a tract or saying something. There is no God there. No, no, no God there to dispense. So to see this God, to have this God in our view, right? That means to be close to this God, to have this um, unbroken fellowship with God. Our heart needs to be pure. You say, well, we're full-timers, our hearts are pure. Well, I know that is not the case. It's not about our uh, our uh, uh, label. It's not about our, you know, uh, our name, you know, uh, what we are. Brothers and sisters, it's about a heart that has been dealt with, a heart that is um, conditioned aright, a heart that is pure. A heart that seeks only God. A heart that seeks only his glory. A heart that only seeks his will. Now, these things are easy to say. But the heart, you know, 
is what uh, probably say like flypaper, you know, everything sticks to it. Everything sticks to it. It's not easy to keep our heart just for God and God alone. <clears throat> when I was young, uh, first came to the church life, there was a brother, and he gave me much help in this matter, much help in this matter, to say, Minoru, the most important thing is a pure heart. A pure heart to seek nothing to, 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 to seek to seek nothing to seek nothing but Christ. Nothing but God. Oh that that stay with me from then on I constantly would deal with my heart. Is it going something else after something else? It is being distracted to love something else. Is there another object of favor? Or is it solely just God and God alone? <clears throat> Dear saints, that is a matter of keeping our heart. Uh, in chapter 6 of this uh, Matthew, it talks about uh, where your treasure is. There your heart is also. You know, most people actually got it wrong. They reverse it. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. No, no. It's where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So what's your treasure? We have to ask ourselves, what is the treasure right now? It could be all kinds of substitutes of Christ, of God of the things of God. It could be anything. Um, as I say, the heart is so sticky. Um, just for a moment, something over there becomes my treasure. Right? Just for a moment, some person become a replacement of the Lord, took the place of the Lord in our heart. It could be uh, material things. It could be persons. It could be uh, even some preference that you have in your heart. It, it could be anything. It could be anything that take the place of God in our heart. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters, I hope you would not feel, oh my goodness, oh, this is so heavy. I, I, this is, well, you know, well, brothers and sisters, um, all I can say is, this is my, my story. Today, I'm still serving the Lord. I still have to daily keep my heart and deal with my heart. That person, that brother who gave me such help, that person, so many years later, he was used by the Lord. But so many years later, he dropped out of the Lord's recovery. He left this ministry. This warns me. 
when I first heard that that happened, I was shocked. I said, no, Lord. How can a person like this that render me so much help do that? Great warning came to me that no guarantee if he could do that, I can do that. At some point in time, the heart was not right. Whether it is in the form of ambition, whether it is a form of pride, whether it is a form of um, um, unforgiveness, you know, even some people hold on to unforgiveness, and that unforgiveness becomes their treasure that they hold on to, that they would not let go, that they worship. It's possible, dear saints. Then um, another place in Matthew, you talk about um, out of the abundance of the heart, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the mouth overflows whatever is in the heart because there the uh, Pharisees were accusing the, uh, the the Lord's disciples for eating without washing their hands. You know, they 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 were dirty, right? But the Lord say, what comes in doesn't hurt you. What comes out hurts you, will defile you. And what comes from where? Whatever comes out from your heart will defile, will dirty, <clears throat> uh, is unclean. So he talked about murders, he talked about fornication, he talked about all kinds of things, the Lord. And so this tells us, dear brothers and sisters, how we need to deal with our heart or sanctify our heart, because our heart is wicked. You know, Jeremiah, above all things, who can know it? It is very, very deceitful. Yet, yet, out of this abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I like to say a word here, dear saints. You know, speech is very, very important. I'll talk. I'll talk. Yes, we're full-timers. We're serving ones. But what about our talk? You know, even with one another. It's very easy for us, even full-timers, come together and banter and talk about this and that and this and that. And those things may be just gossip. They are not profitable. They, 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 but yet it is out of the abundance of the heart. You know, it shows. Your heart is full of that stuff, and so it comes out. And then it, when it comes out, it does not defile you. It defiles the other person. Talk about death. Talk about sudden death. It defiles the other person. So, brothers and sisters, we need to check our speech, check our uh, conversation. Even when we're with one another, we're coordinating, we're, we're, we're fellowshipping. We have to be very, very much on guard, on guard, because it is not just the mouth. It is the heart, the heart. It is possible that there's a lot of 
untoward things, um, 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 uh, unedifying things that will come out of the mouth, and we even defile one another, full-timers. We, we can defile even one another. And then we find, how come our work is not so uh, living? How come uh, our service is not so, uh, um, you know, vital? How come uh, the Lord's blessing is not so much here? Well, all these things in accumulation may be a reason. There's a reason. The issues of life uh, is affected, is affected. Uh, Well, I think, dear saints, I think just a few of these examples is good enough. Now, I am talking to you in this way, not to depress you, not to, surely not to condemn you. I'm always very, very burdened for you, uh, full-timers. You have um, uh, sanctified yourselves, uh, separate your, separated yourself to serve the Lord with your time. And that is not a small thing. That is a, a great thing. That is a, a just tremendous thing, tremendous things. And I like to see your service uh, uh, not only continue, but uh, improve. I like to see you more fruitful and useful in the hands of the master. I like to see uh, 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 what you do will really bring much profit, uh, much gain, to the church life, the Lord's recovery. This last weekend on Labor Day conference, right? The Lord's burden on this important in this important country of USA, and uh, so many um, uh, people today need the gospel and the truth that we have. So many young people on the campuses uh, need to know the Lord, find the Savior and um, and uh, receive this life. Um, uh, uh, so many uh, places in this country needs the church life. And this is why we're here, to gospelize, truthize, and um, churchize America. And you are part of it. In fact, you are in the front line of it in a very good sense. So we need more and more full-timers serving in this way. But in 2 Timothy, which is my favorite book when I talk to full-timers, right, 2 Timothy, you have, uh, you know, Paul using three metaphors, at least three, uh, to describe a, a serving one, in this case, Timothy, right? And the ones that Timothy was helping. Number one, a soldier, a soldier. Number two, uh, a farmer, a, no, a contender, a competitor, like an athlete, right? A contender. And number number three, a farmer, 
right? Now, he was also a workman. He's also a teacher. But let's just uh, stay with these three things. Brothers and sisters, you are a soldier. So am I. You are a contender. So am I. You are a farmer. So am I. As serving ones. That's what we do. We're in the Lord's army. We're here to, in a very proper sense, compete to run the race. Am I right? And number three, we're here to farm, to bring forth fruit uh, and harvest. And so with these three things, you know, um, they have need their learnings. They have to have to be trained. They have to be properly equipped. They have to have some knowledge about their business. And, uh, you know, depending on what kind of athlete you are, you need some particular skills, depending on field and track or you're in whatever you do. Okay. But there is a common line with these people, all of which requires exertion you know, of strength to to be successful, whether you're a soldier or an athlete or you're a farmer, <clears throat> is their, what? Their general condition, their fitness, their, am I right? Besides all the special specialty and skills and all of this, you need to be uh, fit, you need to be in shape. You need to be conditioned. Condition. Otherwise, nothing works. So you are a soldier. So a soldier who is in service need to be, need to stay fit in a certain condition. Then once they are uh, uh, deployed, they're ready to go, you know, whatever weapons they use, whatever division of the, uh, of the military they belong to, that's, that's the special skills. But they're ready to go because they are conditioned. They're conditioned regularly. They're ready. You know, once the, the, the call comes, they're ready to go, right? You know, these uh, pilots, you know, once the siren sounds, they run to the plane. They're ready to to go. They're ready to go. Uh, uh, the athletes, right? Uh, they have to condition themselves so when the competition comes, not only they, are, they have the skills and all of that, but they, 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 the core, they're, they're being there in a good, robust, uh, strong condition so to, 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 to do whatever they, they do. And then a farmer, the farmer is constantly have to be in good shape, right? To do the work of farming, to grow something. So again, I'm going to end here, uh, saints. Um, this is what I'm burdened for in talking to you in this way, that we, for the sake of our service, for the sake of the war that we're warring as a soldier, for the sake of this uh, contention for the sake of this farming labor that we're doing in the gospel and, and whatnot, we need to 
always be in a good condition as full-timers. So when the call comes, we're ready. We, we are in a good condition. And that condition has too, too much to do with the condition of our heart, of our heart. And therefore, it requires our keeping our heart with much diligence. When we are like this, conditioned like this, our heart is right like this, our service will be strong. Uh, We will be ready and we will be fruitful. Um, There is a hymn in the hymn, though I forgot which one, that talks about the heart, the dealing of the heart. I, not so much today, but I used to sing that a lot uh, in my personal dealing uh, with the Lord in this matter. Okay, I think uh, I have enough, but I still have five minutes, Stephen. I still have five minutes. I don't know if you have some questions about this. I don't know whether you type it on the chat or... I don't know, whatever you want to do, if you have any questions or anything along this line, I'll be happy to respond or raise your hand. I I don't know how you do this kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, any of those would be fine. Yeah. I know people say that, uh, oh, Brother Minoru, you're, you're, or... You're always so heavy. You always depresses people with this heavy-duty talk and fellowship. You know, lighten up, you know. The the saints need some joy and happiness, and they don't need this kind of heavy fellowship, you know. I, I, I agree with that, even to some degree. I, maybe I'm kind of disposed to being heavy or something. Uh, <clears throat> but but um, maybe I need to lighten up my demeanor. Maybe that, you know, to get rid of the uh, the furrow over my brow or something. But brothers and sisters, I really speak to you from the depth of my heart with many years of experience, all right? <clears throat> You don't know how, just how much, especially nowadays, we're at a threshold of a Lord's fresh, renewed move in this country. You don't know how great this matter is in these coming years, in this year 2020. And I so much want to see whether you will remain full-time your whole life. That's another matter. But I so much want to see that while you are serving, you will receive the best kind of help and advice and fellowship so that at the present time, you can be uh, really, really useful and really, really productive and really, really be contributing to the Lord's move and the Lord's work where you are doing what you are doing. But not only so, but because of the experience you gain and the learning you gain, that even when you do not serve full-time, you go on, 
this thing will remain with you. And you really will be a lifelong full-timer regardless as far as your heart is concerned. Am I right? Okay, uh, these things are now starting. We have only two minutes uh, left. What are the practical ways to keep our heart in a good condition before the Lord? How do we get over offenses uh, when, when we want to and pray much, but the memory's still there. See, these are the details. Good question. These are the very details. Um, so I can only refer you to some of these most helpful uh, ministry, like from some of the books I mentioned to you. Uh, I received too, too much help, too, too much help um, in the book Experience of Life and the book um, um, knowledge of life. So um, uh, a lot of this kind of uh, a dealing of the heart, st- as with any kind of spiritual dealing, it's a matter of the light that we receive, right? And our readiness and willingness to obey that light. So a matter of offenses that the Lord may touch uh, in the memory, you see, that's where the dealing occurs. Uh, that is to open our heart to the Lord. To um, uh, There's the element of the Lord's death and the Lord's cross. There's absolutely the element of the Lord's life and the Lord's grace. Um, um, we just have to have those kind of experiences. Um <clears throat> I, 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 you know, I, I cannot get into it. I just make this kind of uh, references to you, for you. A Nazarite does not partake of the enjoyment. Of this life doesn't mean we should never enjoy enjoy human life. No, no, no. Uh, but you also know when worldliness has crept in. You also know a kind of a um, this kind of worldly soulish, soulish pleasures is taking over. You know that. You know that. And that displeased the Lord. And uh, that becomes something, an enjoyment just with the self in view. We we should have enjoyment, of course, right? We need uh, to have a, um, um, uh, do some hobbies. We need to, uh, you know, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, that there should be just, uh, we have no joy in life. I don't. I don't mean that. But I'm talking about again in the heart. In the heart. Uh, would you share more about the difference between vow and promise? Uh, can you describe how to start dealing with an offense in our heart? It seems this matter of offense is quite a matter. So maybe another time we can touch this matter. It is a big matter. The offense in this person that I talk about a certain unforgivable offense is a main factor in his dropping out. I just say this much. Uh, someone referred to the economy of God, chapter 8, about dealing with the heart, and chapter 10 about digging. I got great help from the book, The Economy of God. And that is a very, very good book in these matters. So I really strongly suggest that. All right. How do you keep your heart pure and soft when we go through a severe loss of hardship? Herein is the very matter of grace, of grace. This dealing is not just, you know, 
cutting, dealing, and so on. There's much grace needed uh, when we go through certain things. We even maybe stumble by certain tragedy, by certain things that happen in our lives. And how do we not be stumbled even by God, by things, the tra- tragedy that happens or loss that happens? And there are some, unfortunately, that were broken by this, and even they were unhappy with God. You know what I'm saying? And that stay with them, and it really, really um, have an unhealthy impact on their lives. So how do we pass through these things? Um, I think it's really something we need to talk about separately. These are important things. Um, all right. Okay, I better stop here. I've gone over by three minutes. Stephen, back to you. Amen.